listening to the Trial and Error Collective Podcast. Hello, everyone. You are tuned in to the seventh episode of the Trial and Error Collective Podcast, streaming everywhere online on iTunes, Podomatic, and on our website at trialandarecollective.com. So aside from this podcast, we have a ton of great new content up on the website. Um, we published our spring zine a few weeks ago, tons of new interviews, some new writers, and some new blogs coming up. And our podcast will be stepping it up a notch as I now will have access to some better recording equipment. So by the next episode, hopefully the conversations won't sound like they're being recorded on a toaster oven. Um, so be sure to follow us on social media, Trial and Error Collective on Facebook and Instagram, and Trial, the letter Y, Error on Twitter to stay up to date with everything. So for the seventh episode, I spoke with my dear friend Keish about his incredible life journey and how music played a role in carrying him through the thick and thin. Keish is now a published author of the book War, Mama, and Me, A Mother's Steadfast Love During Civil Unrest. The book travels through his memories of growing up in the 1989 Liberian Civil War, coming to America and discovering his new identity, his sexuality, his spirituality, and how he endured everything with his mother's strength. Um, so as long as I've known Keish, he's always been the most musical person. Uh, every possible action turned into a reason for singing and dancing. If we were cooking, we were singing songs or mantras, or if he was tending to his garden, he was singing to his plants. Uh, and in this podcast, since we are a music blog after all, we focus on Keish's musical inspirations and how music helped him understand his identity in such complex times of his life. And something I really admire about Keisha's storytelling is that even if you've never gone through civil war or think that you've never gone through similar experiences, he boils it all down to the most raw, basic elements of human life. We're all here searching for our own identity and searching for love and understanding. And as he relays here in this podcast, we can all create our own soundtrack to start this journey. All right, well, let's get to it. And thank you so much for listening. Here with my dear friend JC. How are you doing today? I am doing wonderful, thank you. Oh, good, good. Glad to hear it. So, well, we're going to be kind of touching on a lot of subjects today. I wanted to know if you could start off maybe with just like a general introduction of who you are, where you are, what you've been up to, and uh, if you want to mention the book and if you want to just discuss the basic premise of it and then we'll go into it a little bit more throughout the call. For sure. For sure. Well, my name is JC Keish Akinsanya. Most of my friends called me Keish. And I'm from Liberia, West Africa. I now live in Missouri. I came to the U.S. about some 22, 23 years ago. Uh, in the middle, well, in the middle of a ceasefire, uh, in my country, there was a civil war that happened in 1989, and I left in 95, and then another war broke out in 96. Mm -hmm. So I've been here traveling, learning, finding myself, meeting amazing people. I live as an organic farmer. I used to live in a monastery as a monk. That's around when I met Parisa. Uh, what else have I done in my life? I used to live as a model at one point. 
yeah, I, I'm, I'm just living this adventure, you know. It's like as it comes, as life presents it to me, I tell myself, okay, let's experience this. Yeah. And so recently you wrote a book which covers a lot of your life stories um, and which yes. got published la- last month, two months ago? March, in March, yeah. So oh, March yeah. 20th was the publication. It's called War, Mama, and Me. And it basically focuses on, it's a tribute to my mom, and I'm just kind of looking back at my life after her passing last September. And I'm looking at my life and just kind of reflecting on what I've been through so far and how her guidance was extremely helpful in molding me. So it's kind of a thank you mom book that, you know, I took a lot of life lessons from you. Uh, and it has some little adventures that I went on trying to use those life lessons. It's, it's a pretty interesting book. It covers a few different topics. So yeah, it covers the topic of war and being a civilian during a civil war. It covers my mom's attitude at that time. It covers me coming to the US, so kind of an immigrant kind of life. It covers me coming of age, because I came to the U.S. when I was 15. Mm-hmm. Finding myself, understanding my sexuality, understanding religiosity, looking for spiritual answers. It covers me traveling to India. It covers, really up to now in my life, uh, meeting my partner, Nico, mm-hmm. uh, my mom spending some time on the farm with us, and ultimately her passing away. So throughout this podcast, I knew I wanted to talk to you in some way about the book, but since we are a music podcast, you know, I wanted to make it that the focus, but I actually thought that would be really easy because as long as I've known you, you're always singing some song or another. (laughs) (laughs) So it felt felt like a pretty easy, pretty easy transition for these two worlds to meet. Um, It's true. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, um, so we can just kind of start discussing, you know, how music was a vital role uh, throughout all of these different parts of your life between you and your mother and, uh, you know, you going through the Civil War. Um, So maybe we can start off with you just kind of telling about the background of music that you grew up with and, you know, what you heard around the house and maybe specifically what your mom taught you. Okay. Yeah, I mean... Since I can remember, you know, as a child, and if I don't remember it, I saw my mom do this to my other two siblings. She was always singing. My my mom was somebody who was always either humming something or singing a song, and my stepfather as well. So I grew up in a house with so much music, and it wasn't just one genre. So there were days you would hear Christian music, you know, biblical-style music, There were days you hear music from the 40s and 50s and 60s, music my mom and all my stepdad learned from their parents, or music from their their age. You hear regular, you know, mainstream music at the time in the 80s. So there was always music, and it it was very much celebrated. We listened to everything. I mean, I grew up on Kimmy Rogers, Luther Vandross, Michael Jackson, Prince. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, everything you can think about. 
I, I, I grew up because the music, you know, although it was a different genre, for me, each person had a message that they were, they were speaking of in their music. And so because there was always music to celebrate, I, I learned a lot of old songs from my mom. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't remember a day in my life. I truly cannot remember a day in my life where there wasn't a song playing in the back of my mind. Yeah. I love it. You know, and <laughs> now I see where you get it from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I used to observe my mom and it almost looked like she wasn't walking, but she was always like walking to a musical tone, tune or something in her head. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she kind of had this step about her. And I always thought, what's she, what's she singing in her mind right now? <laughs> yeah. So music was extremely important and it really helped us before the civil war. It helped us during the civil war a lot during the civil war. I guess music, the type of music we listened to was more faith based. Mm-hmm. You know, more re- religious based, but that was good because it, it helped your soul, almost like during the slavery period when the you know they would sing those Negro spirituals kind of thing. So it was like that. It was like there was during hard times in our lives, and we would sing some just beautiful spiritual hymns, and it it really helped. It, it really helped the situation because war wasn't something pleasant, you know. Yeah. Seeing dead bodies, smelling dead bodies, uh, seeing destruction all around you, but music really just protecting you. And I write about that in, in my book, just watching my step, my stepfather and my mom, how they would sing all the time and how that really gave them a kind of equilibrium, although all kinds of other crazy things were happening around us. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I experience a lot of different kinds of music, different genres of music. Um, I really loved like the Italian uh, operas, like the arias and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I love Eastern music. We, we had some friends from Jordan and Lebanon, you know, and Iran and other places. Mm-hmm. And so I really loved Middle East. I loved, loved, loved Middle Eastern music, just all the different instruments and stuff. Mm-hmm. It just seemed very happy. Yeah. Definitely. So, so that was, yeah, that was what I really kind of grew up around. Uh, and when I came to America, it, it followed me, you know, and I, I got introduced to so much more, you know, Nine Inch Nails and Marilyn Manson, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh-huh. Daft Punk and Jamiro Kwai. So there was just, there was just all kinds of different music yeah. that, that really helped me in life. Definitely. You just kind of named off like all my favorite bands right there. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's pretty awesome. (laughs) And so just kind of going back to growing up, do you think you can reflect on the music culture of Liberia in general before and after the Civil Civil War and what you kind of noticed, maybe the whole, how the whole music culture changed in general, just also outside of your house? Well, I I would say we, we didn't have many different radio stations mm-hmm. so a lot of the 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 genres of music like be it country or spiritual or r&b or whatever that was played or pop mm-hmm. was played on very limited radio stations so maybe one or two will play all these different genres and 
before the war, I remember hearing so many varieties. And after the war, I, I do remember distinctly hearing more pop and R&B uh, style of music. Because I remember when I went back home in 2012, you know, there was a lot of rap, there was a lot of hip-hop, there was a lot of R&B. But I, I didn't hear much country music or, you know, opera or other things like that, as I used to hear growing up as a kid. And I don't know if this was just because we had it in our house, but mm, that's true. I, I didn't hear that much. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, the African the African artists, you know, Liberia has beautiful musicians and just West African musicians. We, we had We had radio stations that played beautiful African stuff. I just found an iTunes uh, album of traditional Liberian music, and it's just, you know, drums. It's like a cappella, and people just kind of beating things that they have around them for drums and singing in the fields. There was this one with, you know, men working in the rice fields, and they're just making music. And it was so beautiful. It just I, I, I had it playing all day, and it's like, wow. You know, yeah. The, the people of Liberia or the people of West Africa where I grew up were just so musically, you know, involved. They just, music mm-hmm. was a part of their day. Yeah. I love that. And just like so the, that, the community that it brings together when people just yes. can sing together. Yes, for sure. For sure. Can you recall like any particular moments or particular songs that you really felt like, you know, brought you and your mother strength or insight? During the war? Yes. And again, from different genres. So as far as from the, the, the religious perspective, like the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. She had a beautiful, she had a song she liked called a charge to keep. I have, uh, there was another song. God moves in a mysterious way. So those were, you know, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, you know, like the, the Negro spirituals. And then as far as just other songs, we had, um, we would sing together, um, Kenny Rogers songs, The Gambler, Lucille, Coward of the County, mm-hmm. Dolly Parton's, uh, Coat of Many Colors, Elvis Presley's Hound Dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just, we just, we sang a lot. We really just sang a lot. And it was just whatever song came to her mind. You know, she loved the Everly Brothers. My my stepdad, he loved the elderly uh, Everly Brothers Take a Message to Mary or the Lightning Express. So we just, yeah, I remember they would come home from work in the evening. And it would just be this kind of musical concert between the both of them. And I would sit there and try to sing with them if I knew the song. Mm-hmm. So there were there were a few, and of course Luther Vandross, the first the first big people party, yeah, the first big people party I went to, I remember so well. My aunt, who actually just passed away uh, last two months ago, it was at her house, and they played Luther Vandross' Power of Love, and I remember I danced with her, and I danced with my mom, I danced with my uncle, you know. So it was just yeah, it was always this kind of musical expression constantly and it didn't matter it didn't matter the situation whether it was war or peace people just mm-hmm. people got music that's beautiful so what year again did you move to america 
1995. 95. Okay. Yeah, that definitely explains the the Nine Inch Nails and Marilyn Manson. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Yeah, that was when you years. had. Yeah, you had those peak years, and it was people like Mariah Carey and who else? There were there were so many. Dido. Well, Dido was later. Dido mm-hmm. was later. Um, but yeah, it was it was just a beautiful time of a beautiful time of music was you know the the mid to late 90s everybody was experimenting with something and it was just really beautiful so being a a, a young kid in america just trying to find my way you know janet jackson madonna mm-hmm. prince of course yeah um in my in my book i re, i recall actually when i lived in minneapolis um my my brother and his wife they knew prince and I found out that he used to have these private concerts, like kind of private studio parties at his house. Mm-hmm. And I got invited to a couple of those with some what? other friends. No yeah, it was way. it was really That's amazing. Insane. Yeah, I, I write about that. And I rem- I, re- I remember we were at his house one time, and he played a bunch of his old songs. Uh, it was just really That's sweet. Crazy. He's, yeah, it started kind of fast, where he played like Raspberry Beret. And when Dolph's crying, then he kind of slowed it down and slowed it down and then to Purple Rain. And he played about six songs and then his seventh was seven, you know, and he started all seven and we watched them fall. And all of us sitting at the table, I didn't know a few of the people I was sitting with, but we screamed so loudly. I mean, it was just, <laughs> it was such a treat. Like, whoa! <laughs> and after his, after his session, he was going back into his house. We were kind of sitting closer to the door and he stopped by our table. He was like, wow, you know, this is a very enthusiastic table. I can see you're having a good time. But yeah, it, it was just, it was, it was amazing. Um, just being around music and live music. I, I saw Shania Tween and Tina Turner in concert and Janet and Erica Badu and, uh, Third Eye Blind. Did I see Marilyn Manson in concert? I don't remember. Yeah, I saw Nine Inch Nails. I was in a mosh pit at a a Shelter concert, a Cro-Mags concert. Oh, Cro-Mags, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like really. I, 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 love I, it. I went I through love all it. those genres. Of, oh yeah, it was. It's, it's like music was music, you know. Exactly. So. One thing I know is a big theme of your book, like you mentioned, is just kind of understanding your own sexuality when you moved here. Um, so, what artists and music do you think were really vital in? In that role of your life, I'm sure Prince probably. I'm assuming Prince, one. <laughs> Prince for sure. But one, one, one album that really helped me just even understand myself mm-hmm. was Janet Jackson's album called The Velvet Rope. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah, the it Queen was Diva. such a beautiful album. At that time, she was also exploring her sexuality, and so most of the songs were quite quite deep to listen to and try to relate to so it, it really just helped me that you know what are my spiritual garden and you know just understand myself you know her, there was a song she had called you you can't blame nobody but you and don't try to please everyone and sacrifice your own needs you know so it, it really just can help me come out of my own shell and say you know this is me and I'm attracted to women, I'm attracted to men, I'm attracted to life and beauty, and I'm going to express myself that. Yeah, so most of those people definitely helped me with, with different albums. Yeah, 
And so when you moved here, just in general, like what kind of things were you going through? You know, were you getting homesick and, you know, where was the rest of your family at this time? Well, I wasn't getting homesick, but I was definitely trying to adjust to this new culture. I lived with my dad in New Jersey at the time, and it was definitely a new culture for me because I was a kid who was used to just wandering around in Liberia, just, you know, finding a place and going. But, you know, my, my dad had lived in a different situation in America. He had seen, you know, teen pregnancy and young kids getting into gangs and stuff. And so he tried to protect me from that. And in a sense, I felt kind of stifled. I felt kind of like, whoa, you know, where do I go in this country? You know, who do I meet? I didn't know many kids in school. So it, it, the, the transition was a little tough, which was expected in a sense. Yeah. You know, the, trans- the, the transition was a little tough. But again, I took shelter of music because my dad also loved music. So I would play all of his, you know, records and CDs at the house. What were some of the differences between like your mom's taste in music and your dad's? My my mom listened to a lot of world music and you know like from different cultures. My dad he he liked he liked like the Smokey Robinsons and the Duke Ellingtons and everything, but he really loved his West African artists like Fela Kuti, um, and he, yeah, he just really got into a lot of traditional African music, so a lot of live stuff. You know, I don't think my dad would have been a fan of the synthetic music nowadays because yeah. he really loved live recordings. Do you feel like you use music at all to just kind of try and find your identity as, you know, an American now and trying to understand this, you know, this whole new culture that you were getting into? I, I definitely use it as a as a compass for sure um because i i I like the the lyrics that each person each artist put in their song and for me the lyrics were more important than the style of music so Mm -hmm. if marilyn manson was saying something amazing in the beautiful people you know it was like wow listen to what he's saying or you know smashing pumpkins was saying something you know it was just like okay these are very important messages these people are giving, or Janet Jackson or Kenny Rogers, whoever, whoever mm. was saying something, um, I, I just really appreciated what they had to say and how, how I could relate to it. Yeah. You know, um, somebody I really liked at the time too was Erica Badu or India Ri. You know, it, it, it was just all these self-affirming songs and when you're living in a culture where you don't understand yourself mm-hmm. you I, I really took shelter of what music those people had and i mm-hmm. listened to the lyrics and, and it helped me walk down the street better in in a sense yeah definitely you know gives you an extra sense of confidence when you know it's like the world is chaos so the only thing you can affirm in is is yourself you know so it's good to have that music yeah that, that builds up that confidence again. Yes. And something else I did a lot of in the U.S. was go dancing. So it wasn't just listening to music, but it was expressing the, the music, you know, expressing the rhythm. So especially when I lived in Seattle, I went clubbing, oh, my God, four or five nights a week. Oh, it, yeah. was, it was just really <laughs> beautiful, just dancing and dancing and dancing. 
And that was another thing that attracted me to, you know, the spiritual culture of the East, the Krishna movement especially, was the kirtans, the the, the dancing, the music. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, every, every part of my life was music and dancing, you know, rhythm and blues, basically. Yeah, and I think that's a, a really interesting thing, too, because, yeah, I think that people have a separation of thinking mantras are mantras and music is a separate thing, but, you know, mantras are, are music, you know, it's music yeah. for the soul. You know? It goes really deep, exactly, exactly, because just the word mantra, mantra means to free the mind. Mm -hmm. So, the you know, the, the music of mantra really helps you just free your mind, you know, just understand yourself better. So yeah, it, it was just, it was just beautiful time. I mean, even now is beautiful time for me listening to music, you know, and just, you know, calming the mind and yeah, just, just yeah. living happily, you know, appreciating life, um, accompanied by a, a type of soundtrack. Like today mm -hmm. I just, somebody posted something on Facebook. It was, I think it was, uh, Britain got talent or something it happened in 2015 and it was this artist called Callum Scott and I had never heard him before and his voice is so beautiful and so I spent the rest of this morning just looking up his albums on iTunes and listening to them and it was it was so beautiful like wow you know so yeah appreciating people's passion that they put out through the music mm -hmm. you know definitely yeah, and I'd like to go back for a second, too, and just talk a little bit more about, you know, your experiences with mantras and, and that side of your experiences with music. So when, okay. did, when did you start hearing mantras and felt that attraction to that music? Well, I would say back in Liberia, because I was raised, you know, I, I went to a Catholic church. There was a Catholic church about a quarter of a mile away from our house. And I liked the chants, you know, like the Gregorian chants and stuff like that. And those are mantras in themselves because, you know, they, they are looking towards a spiritual awakening in, in a sense. Mm -hmm. But I liked those very much. And when I came to the U.S. and heard, you know, like the Buddhist chants or the Hindu chants, it, it just, it, it made sense to me. I, I didn't even have to kind of wonder like, oh, should I do this or should I not? It, it was just, it was just a beautiful cry of the soul. And when I started, like, for example, when I started chanting Hare Krishna, it was just really beautiful for me because you, you felt this, you know, freedom within yourself. You, you felt this beautiful experience. And it wasn't just the mantra Hare Krishna, but different songs composed in Sanskrit or different songs composed in Bengali. Or different songs composed in Arabic, and you listen to these songs, like Sufi songs, mm -hmm. and it's like, wow, you can feel the the writer, you know, or the the songwriter or the singer. You can you can hear them call out from deep within. Yeah. You know, and it urges you to want to go deeper. It, it it urges you to want to find out or experience what that person is experiencing as well. Exactly. I think a a really beautiful thing about Mantras, at least, you know, in my experiences, it also just kind of let me experience so many other sounds in that way, too. You know, it kind of just opens yes. your perspective of music. Kind of go that extra step when you're listening to music to really, I don't know, kind of meditate on it and 
think about it more. And, right. You know? Right. No, for sure. And that's the beauty of, of mantra. You know, it's meditation, but it's also sound vibration that has, you know, rhythm and, you know, melody and everything. And when you take to it, it, it really, there is something about music that's just so calming. I mean, you think about, you think about the slaves in the cotton fields years ago, or even today when somebody goes for a jog or a run and they put their, you know, headphones in their ear, there's something about music that helps you know, the, the, the stresses in life, it helps calm it. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, those people, yeah, the, the people in the fields as they're working and they're singing their spiritual songs or the person who's running and just listening to his favorite music, his or her favorite music. And it, it just, yeah, it, it calms your, your system down and you have such a more beautiful experience. Mm-hmm. Definitely. What kind of things do you listen to today that really kind of help you reflect back on everything with a, a unique perspective? Um, lately, lately, especially in the last six, seven months, mm. I found myself really listening to a lot of arias. So a lot of music by Andrea Bocelli, a lot of Pavarotti, Mm-hmm. You know, just for some reason, it's very calming to me. Of course, I'm I'm learning Italian at the moment too, so just it helps me understand the language better. Oh yeah, um, that helps. I, I love it. I love it when artists, you know, like like something Ed Sheeran did with his Perfect Symphony when he did, you know, a version with Andrea Bocelli. It, it's just beautiful when you mix languages and try to understand, you know, language from both sides. So that's the kind of music I find myself listening to a lot lately. Of course, I still and still and every day I still listen to Alanis Morissette, you know. Yeah, there are just some, some, some songs that are always, you know, in my, in my, my repertoire. Mm-hmm. Um, I, on my, on my, on my iTunes. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm just in a more relaxed, you know, relaxed state. Again, yeah, looking back, you know, yeah, like, Wow, look how, look how far I've come. You know, I'm almost 40 and the Civil War happened when I was 11. Mm-hmm. And look how far I've come. So it's just, I'm in a very relaxing space. My mom used to tell me all the time, life begins at 40. You know, she was a person who was always known to be relaxing her mental tension, as she would say. So, and most of that happened through music. So now the, the music I listen to now is really, very relaxing, mm-hmm. you know. Definitely. I found, oh yeah, I found this, uh, album from Mali. Uh-huh. And it's by this family called Siddiqui Diabate. And they have been playing this musical instrument in their family for 71 generations. Oh yeah. Yeah, that whole family is like a, they're, yeah, prolific in Mali. It's, it's, it's beautiful amazing. music. So amazing. Yeah. Try and listen to that. You know, on a, on a nice summer day, I imagine myself in the Sahara Desert, you know, just kind of like, all right, let's do this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I love what you're saying, too, like how your mom said, you know, life starts at 40 and how you're like now your music taste kind of reflects the fact that things are more settled down and you can just look at things yes. with some more peace of mind. And it's interesting, too, even across music psychology studies that you really do see that trend that later in life, 
you know, music tastes tend to get a little bit more softer. And I always, when I was, when I first read that, I was like, ah, I'm not going to let that happen to me. I'm a, <laughs> you know, rock and roll till I die. But it's not to say that, you know, you don't appreciate those things anymore. It's more just you're able to kind of take things with a little bit more peace and yeah. reflect yes. with a little less teenage angst. <laughs> well, it was actually funny you say that because I was traveling with a friend who was visiting from Sweden mm -hmm. a few weeks ago. We were driving up to Indianapolis and we were talking about music and, you know, cause he's actually a violinist. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, it, it came up about listening to, hardcore music back in the day and he said well what kind of music did you listen to and so for about a good 30 minutes of the ride he had to bear listening to tool and prodigy and, and <laughs> yeah. it was so it was just so funny you know yeah. and he was just like i can't imagine case here you're this black guy from liberia west africa <laughs> and you're jamming to tool and prodigy it's like, well, good music there's an appreciation for it, and when it comes back, you know, you dabble in it, and yeah, then it's done, and you say, okay, that was fun, mm -hmm. you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's awesome. Well, um, do you have any any other, um, you know, thoughts or things you'd like to say about your book or about your journey that you would like to express? Yeah, for sure. I mean, as far as the book, and today something just happened that was amazing. Well, it happened yesterday that helped me direct where I want this book to go. Because something in, in my book that's very important is the community factor and how my mom really helped a lot of people in her lifetime. You know, she used whatever time and money she had to help educate people, send people to school. And I was at the bank yesterday, and they were selling cookies for this program called Care to Learn. And I had never heard about it before, so the lady explained it to me a little bit. And then this morning, another friend of mine sent me a link to donate to the Care to Learn Foundation. And so I thought, you know, this would be something amazing to tap into because my mom was very much into educating children. Mm -hmm. And so I emailed them and asked, how can I help? So for my book right now, I'm thinking about getting involved in such a way where maybe some proceeds from my book can go towards, you know, helping the community that way, helping children with their education. Or when I, when I, when I saw you in Tucson a few months ago, remember we were walking around and we saw those different libraries, uh -huh. you know, the free libraries on the street. And that's another thing I'd like is, you know, people to get a book, but not just for themselves. And when they're finished reading it, they can pass it on, you know, or put it in the library that somebody else might stumble upon and just kind of learn a sense of how crazy life was during the Civil War, mm -hmm. but how community and love and music and sharing food and stuff like that really kept people afloat, mm -hmm. you know. And I, I want to share that with as many people as I can. So that's kind of like my, my little project for myself is how can I get involved with communities, mm -hmm. you know, through this book and help them spread love as much as possible. Because although the, the setting of the book, you know, the situation begins with the Civil War, you see an underlying sweetness. Exactly, yeah. You know, so yeah. I, I want that sweetness to fall through. Definitely. I think that'll be really beautiful to see how this this book kind of takes on that 
like a life of its own, you know, and trying to, you know, extend your mother's uh, love and her support for the community, but just now through this book and through your words and her words. Right, right. Yeah. So that, yeah, that's my, that's my task for the next few years is how can I have, you know, and again, anybody can, can relate to the book. It's, It's not just people who have been through a civil war. It's somebody who's, you know, struggling to find their, their spirituality, their sexuality. Somebody who is wandering around, you know, just kind of like, where do I belong? And I went through all of that and here I am on the other side, finally settling down, farming, you know, just living life and being thankful and just wanting to encourage people that, you know, go through all these things that are happening, but life comes out on the other side beautifully. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing and for writing this and for taking the time to to speak with me, too. For sure. For, no, thanks for having me on your podcast, you know, and more and more people are inviting me to speak you know, about the book. So it's, it's very exciting. I'm excited to see where it goes from here. <laughs> <laughs>